Perik Yudalid, Pasuk Yudalid. We had just seen the riddle which Shimshon poses to the Hevra here. They use that Russian lightly. And I think there's a chance, not a big chance, that one could figure this out if just walk around the general neighborhood you'll see an unusual sight of a lion an old novella of a lion a skeleton and you'll see a very active beehive and you'll be able to figure it out with that said he's assuming they probably won't and probably being the the troublemakers that they are are going to try to get out of paying or try to steal the secret. It sounds from the push-up shot of what is about to happen that he doesn't think it'll be so easy to get the answer out of his wife. He doesn't plan on telling his wife. And if he does, he thinks it's safe and they're going to try to wiggle out of paying, hence the context of the possible fight and the behavior that's going to hopefully prove to them that it doesn't pay to start up. That's the plan. And it sounds like it didn't exactly go to plan. I don't think Shimshin... I say he's not going to mind. It's going to help that he's able to take revenge and start the one-man Melchama, as will become apparent this week and next week. He's going to have Tainas on his wife for getting the answer and then betraying him. And that's not a steerer because as we just mentioned there are a number of ways this could have played out to still carry out the objectives of his overall plan uh, that's a Shalom bias issue which we can have Tainas on her for not doing things right we can also have 2020 hindsight into what he should have done a rem is over here, and it's going to be more boiled by Dalila, which we're going to be Mayrachan a lot more. Nobody should cut and paste any of the things we're going to mention to anything at home about what you should or shouldn't say, because obviously by Shehusham it's going to be circumstantial. But there are some general lessons of, and I say this to both spouses, what they should be asking in the first place and what they one should be answering it gets a little complicated but there's a reason why this is a Navi at great Arichas Shimshin as one of the Shaftim the last of them the whole Misa could have been said over in a more concise way and it wasn't and this is Tanakh and you have to measure each word and each Chazal and what the lessons are so we're going to try to do that carefully probably not carefully enough after we finish based on some of the things that are being assumed but if you don't understand exactly what the Musa Haskell is please ask 
So with that, is that enough of a disclaimer to get us out of any trouble for the next uh, few weeks? <laughs> Sounds like we did a great job. So without further ado, let's go back to the Pasuk. Parak Yedala, Pasuk Yedala. And just say over the question, Vayem Elohim, the riddle, Me'achal Yatsa Ma'achal, Ume'az Yatsa Ma'saik, referring to the honey coming out of the lion. And they're thinking and scratching their head, and they can't figure it out. Not that surprising. Pasik Tezva Vaihi BM Hashvi, Rashi says, which we saw last week, this is the seventh day of the week, meaning Shabbos. It's not the seventh day of the Sheva Brachas because they're not going to wait that long. Rashi says, Limaisa Shabbos, Vloishvi Lamishtem, Uavi Lameh Mishta. And they're already getting restless. So they're extremely restless and they say, better get the answer or else. This threat is not an idle threat. You'll see by the end of the Misa, they actually carry it out, even though she comes with the information. The fact that they could even make such a threat and use such a lotion shows you the violence in the general society and gives you a little glimpse of what they've been doing to the Yidden in terms of their terrorist activity and we're up against people who don't really have any boundaries. I'm laying the groundwork over here because when Shimshin figures out how to pay... It wasn't a problem of his credit line. Problem is how to pay and do the most damage somewhere else. So they get the impression that there's no rhyme or reason and we better be careful with this person. So when they come to him with the answer, which is, they describe it, ill-gotten gains, and he is angry, he doesn't have to pretend to be angry, and he owes them now 30 suits and 30 uh, bedspreads and whatever it is and where do you get suits this is after the big bash so he missed it so where where's he get 30 suits these expensive people would buy one one in a lifetime maybe where do you get 30 suits so even if he could afford it which we have no indication uh, Shefet is supposed to be independent and Avim were wealthy but we have no indication he had any money but it's irrelevant he's not money's not the issue he's looking for an excuse so he's going to go somewhere else completely different city and how do we say this we don't have to say it delicately because the public's not going to say it delicately but he's going to free up 30 suits <laughs> so, is that a way so right away you're going to wonder what are the 30 people over there have to do with the 30 people over here the answer is this one this is an important aside. There's one Plishtine nation. They're all confirmed Reitzchem and terrorists. And we don't always apply collective guilt. But over here, he's fighting a Muhammad against all of them. 
And the only way they're going to learn to have a half a mean of behaving is when they realize this person is not predictable, and that's an understatement, and therefore we better not start up over here because you never know what's going to happen over there. And he's one person. That's the only way to fight this battle. Perfectly legitimate, more than legitimate, this is what he's charged with doing from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So from our American uh, political uh, liberal minds, we're going to have to get used to that, because otherwise you're all going to be raising your hand and saying, wait a second, what do the 30 people in Gaza have to do with the 30 people over here? The answer is, we're already getting a glimpse. They said, uh, we have a wager going on during Sheva Brochus. If you don't get us the answer, we're going to burn the house down on your head. That's, that's the uh, start of the conversation. So that's what we're dealing with, and what's interesting is, you would think right after he does this, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I want to give you the general context, they'd be roundly condemned by the UN that have an emergency meeting, because nothing else is going on in the world, so it's only when the Eden actually defend themselves and they're going to roundly condemn this act of uh, violence and this uh, what do they call it, uh, when we uh, strike back and they feel it's too hard well, there's, a, there's, a, there's a name for this yeah, disproportionate, right. So I say, disproportionate, what's the shaykhis of Gaza City to this other place 30 kilometers away? And interestingly enough, that doesn't happen, and they fully understand why he's angry. Even though they don't really fully understand, because it really has nothing to do with the wager and the shepherd He's just trying to scare them so they stop terrorizing everybody. But there's no comment on it, because, okay, we understand, 30 for 30, and... We did steal the answer and wasn't legit, and he's right. So that's what's most interesting about the response or lack thereof, is that there's no condemnation because they sort of understand where he's coming from for one reason. He's speaking their language. So this is not to encourage any vigilante activity and the striking back. This is just how he has to fight this battle and the very unusual... And more than unusual, it's the only time by the Shaftim where he had to fight a one-man battle. Yes? Yeah, so that's why I'm prefacing that they sort of think he's right and <laughs> they understand him. It's not going to continue after he does more, they're going to send more than the KGB, they're going to send their army to knock on the door of Shevet Yehuda, even though he's not from Shevet Yehuda, but Shevet Yehuda is always sort of in charge, even if they're not trying to be in charge. There's no king, and they're going to say, hand them over. Now, a few weeks ahead of myself, but he's going to be perfectly fine with that as long as they don't get involved, because it just gives them another excuse to show up, pretend that he's bound, and then break out and Get rid of some more Laman Yishmu Viro. So that's all part of the plan. If you wouldn't know this ahead of time, and if I wouldn't be warning you and conditioning you, you'd never be able to figure this out, and they're not going to figure it out. Adya Mesai, they think he's a traitor, a renegade, out of control, erratic, strongman who just, you got to figure out how to handle him, which is the plan. So that's. Highly unusual, even as we're forewarned and we're trying to learn it inside. It's hard to figure out. But there's a lot to learn from what was done right, which is 99% of it, and 
what Lafima Jagasa wasn't. So we're going to get to that, but now that we know sort of what's coming, let's see the Pasuk. So they couldn't figure it out. They threatened her. She's now going to try to get the answer because she doesn't know the answer herself. Tezayin. Vatevk Eishis Shimshon Allah Vatemer Rak Sine Sani Veloi Ahav Tani. This is during Sheva Brochus, mind you. And she starts tining that uh, this is not off to a good start and you don't really care for me and you hate me. Hachida Chadata Levnei Ami. You pose the question to my people. That's already a red flag. My people? Well, they were her people. If you're a Gieris, we for Dake Shalom, we suggest that you keep some cordial relationship, not too cordial. And may uh, Dake Shalom, this is a Shaila for every Ger and Gieris. What do you do with the parents and the siblings? So you have uh, a friendly good morning, hello, how are you? And if there's a need in terms of keep it of aim, even though they're not really parents anymore, I'll be then. So you figure out a way to service them somewhat, but you don't want too warm of a relationship because then they're just going to be floating back and it'll be an sign of ger shachazel That's a very delicate balance. This is over the line. When you start off saying what's bothering you is hachida chadata levnei ami. She's fully with them and will prove that, unfortunately, very soon. And if I have to choose, these are my people. What are you doing? So that's not for uh, Gieris, a recent Gieris, that's not necessarily the right attitude. That's not going to go in a good direction. And you didn't tell me, your wife, I didn't even tell my parents, as I mentioned last week, this itself wouldn't be such a kasha. She katina is supposed to be a closer relationship. That's not really the point. The point is that there's a riddle over here and there could be undue pressure if you know, and therefore, why would you want to know if it's just going to cause them to lean on you, which is exactly what's going on, and this could get dangerous. So why would you want to have that information? More information is not always better. The Farshim say she's not even up to anything sinister necessarily, although she's probably good and scared they threatened to burn down the house. She probably on some level is insulted. Why don't you tell me? I'm, I'm your wife. And there are many good reasons not to tell her. A, she might buckle under the pressure and tell them, which clearly is not plan A. And number two, a secret is a secret and Contrary to popular belief, what people think a secret is something I only tell my shrugger, and he tells his shrugger, and then we tell two guys in the mikvah, but not three, because three already is Ape Tlasa, and uh, we leave it at that and hope that it doesn't get around, which doesn't work. So he says, I didn't tell anybody, there's nothing against you, nothing against my parents, and uh, it's a secret. She doesn't accept that. Which means the rest of the Sheva Brochus didn't go very well, and she's crying and very upset. And they're trying to have Yemei Mishta, not turning out to be Yemei Mishta. 
Vayagedla. And then, on the seventh day, he finally tells her, under pressure, Ki hetsi kashu, she was driving him a sugar. This is not a good way to have Sheva Brachas. And then right away, she goes with little time left on the clock. She immediately transfers the, the information, and it stresses, she considers this her people, and if she's taking sides, that's the side she's going to take. So, we're on day seven of Sheva Brachas. So, you didn't pose any riddles during the Shabbos, did you? The context of this. Nothing about any honey or any. Uh, this is considered, if it were something uh, totally innocuous, this would be good fun. And nobody here is having fun. So, notice how it was posed to the 30 Chaveram, his comrades, who were given over to them to celebrate during the Sheva Brochus. And who comes with the answer in Pasig Yilches? You might wonder where they fly in from? So, part of their cover-up, they didn't want the 30 people to give the response, then it's going to be obvious that they're the ones who are just worried about their wallets and their pocketbooks, and they stole the answers, so they sort of get other people involved and they have a delegation from the city to try to show that they have nothing to do with them and don't trace it to us. It, uh, obviously, Shimshin sees through it. Before the sun sets, means just in time. And they come with the answer. They say it so poetically. They said, We have the answer. This was not as difficult as you think it was. What's sweeter than honey? Aspartame. But apparently in those days, the sweetest thing was honey. Me'az me'ari, what's stronger than a lion? And that's basically the answer. First and discussed, did they put the whole thing together or not? But sufficient to claim they don't have to pay. Vayamar lahem lulei charashtem be'eglosi lo mitzasem chidasi. He tells them pretty clearly, you couldn't have figured that out, even though we preface by saying that there was a way to do it, but he knew they didn't do it the legal way by checking around the countryside looking for clues. They just stole it because they're terrorists in Ganovim. Lule Kharashtim Beglasi, had you not threatened and uh, threatened to torture and uh, psychologically torture my wife, you wouldn't have come up with this answer. You wouldn't have found the answer to the riddle. And he was angry and would have shown that he was angry anyway, but he's uh, going to have a clear remez minashamayim that this is the trigger that he's supposed to start carrying out his acts of uh, violence, in this case retribution, not for the riddle it wasn't about the money, it wasn't about the riddle, it was to scare them. That shows that the plan is going well, and this is an ace. Every time so far, he needed to know that Hashem was giving him the go-ahead, so to speak, 
says Beferish, Hashem. It's the first time it actually comes into the fruition of the plan. The first time he had it, he felt this uh, pa'amon, this thing within him that he had such a kayak. Here he's using it. Different city. He kills 30 people. The Gemara's maskana is that another Shimshin is not Muzer in Tumas Mace. Gemara has a Havamina that maybe you could say he almost killed them and they were Geisesin, then he took the clothing and he didn't kill them. Lamaisa, another Shimshin is not Muzer on Tumas Mace, as opposed to a regular Nazar who certainly is. Takes the 30 suits and he gives it to the people of the city. Notice how it says, Magide Achida. Those are not the original people who entered into this wager because they didn't want to go so close. They stayed at arm's length to try to cover up that they stole it. And he was angry. These two words show me. When I mentioned at the beginning of the year that he was annoyed personally that his wife drove him a sugar and he, she caved in and he was probably also annoyed at himself that he caved in. You'd say it's part of the plan. He gave it away because he was okay with it so they should steal it. Doesn't sound like that to me. Sounds like that part, that nakuda and the plan, the personal relationship, why are you getting involved because sitting in themselves... Uh, uh, considering you part of their chevra still, and that's your people, and he was annoyed. Rightfully so. And he left. Remember, there's a real Kedushan here, a real Nesuin, real Shevra Brachus, a real Geiris, but it was Chal. And this is not the way to act toward your husband, and this is not a way to handle yourself during Shevra Brachus. So he was angry and he left. Vayal base aviu. He went home. So this was uh, in his mind. I call it a deal breaker. He didn't give her a get yet because in his mind, you know, just flippantly do that if you could save the marriage. And he plans on coming back, but he has to <coughs> have things cool off, and he's going to go back later on in the year as you'll see. But right now, she did something which is not that forgivable very quickly. He pays the debt, and all the plishtim in the various cities are now talking about what happened. And as I mentioned, they're not going to condemn him yet because they sort of understand that they were wrong and he's right. There's a very interesting diak, just in terms of Hilcha Shevabrachas. This is often done incorrectly because Pashat people assume the din is that the day's over sort of almost by Shkia, maybe by Banish Moshes or maybe by Tzais and maybe by the Haschala of the Suda which is true by Ritzay and Shalashudis of Shabbos you could start before Shkia or somewhere around there and continue eating and say Ritzay a long time later so you go basar haschalas hasuda. That's true by Ritzay, even though we're there, it's a machlekes as well. The minig is lahakal. That's not true by Shevar Brochus, and there's no chiv to say Shevar Brochus 
Rasei is just an insertion in benching. It's not a shayla of a bracha levatala. The stakes are a lot lower. Here, it's after shkia, after benesh moshes, after tzeis. Often, if you would do this, and the suit is over, and it's no longer day seven, and you're benching. That's fine. You got a bench. You ate halta zavata v'rachta, and now you want to say shara brachas. Well, it's no longer during. Shabrachas. And the din is that you don't make Shabrachas. Let's go back a step. The din is there's no chid to say Shabrachas bachlal. <coughs> to put yourself in a matzav, to have a suda and have the circumstances with the Panam Chadashas to say all Shabrachas. There's no chid in the first place. The many became in America that we do. Kalanu Chachamim and Ashiram enough. You have to be an Asher and Muflug to have the food, make the Shabrachas. It's a nice meaning if it doesn't put too much pressure and doesn't cost too much and doesn't too, put too much of a time pressure, which sometimes it does, both the time factor and the chasna kala exhausted and the monetary ramifications. Lamaisa, most people do it. <coughs> I always try to remind the chasna kala that the kedushin was chal, even if you don't have all seven nights, and it's not really an absolute requirement that usually comes across as a fascinating point of information and almost sounds a bit archaic, and they go ahead and have all seven anyway. Okay, that's fine, if it's not doing any collateral damage. But what you don't want to do is get involved in this shayla of having the suda and starting maybe a havamina of starting before shkia, and, you know, there's another minig, uh, not sure... This is good for anybody, but the Chasna Kala traditionally, Dafka come very late. Never see that. They make their grand entrance. And then you're off to a pretty late start. And then you have benching nowhere near Shkia or Banish Mashas even. And Sheva Brochus way after anybody's say. So talking about Rabbeinotam, Rabbeinotam. And um, even the Machmirim in Rabbeinotam. And there's saying Shevabrachas, which is a shayla of a bracha levatala. Sometimes not even a shayla anymore. So notice how the Pasuk says that they got the answer illegally, and they come to Shimshin, and it was close, almost the end, but the Pasuk goes out of its way to point out it was before the sun set. The Kharsa is what looks like the round Kharis in the sky, and it was setting, but it didn't set yet. And they got the answer before it set, because if it was after it set, whatever your whole Benish Moshes is, whatever your whole Shkia is, it's too late. And the answer came too late, and they'd be Mechuyiv to pay 30 suits and all the other things promised over here. And the fact that they, this is Plishtim, who are not really into their Zmanim too much, but they understood <laughs> Shavuach is over when the day is over, and you can't come afterwards, and we better get the answer in. And they did. Allah Lamaisa, on the seventh day, you should be washing, having the Suda, and benching and saying Shevabrochus before Shkia. If it runs a few minutes in, okay, Shaila, do you have a Safik, a Sveksik, but to be benching well into Benish Moshas after Tseis and then taking the risk of saying Shevabrochus, what was that? Yeah, even if these police were very, but that's the thing. Even if they claim to be Hamish, they're 
pretty and insidious in their intentions of burning down the house on her head and coming with the answer, but they were mocked to come on time. <laughs> That's what's interesting over here. So it, it's, this is just an important idea. There's no reason to get into this shail over here because there's no chiv to say shavabochas in the first place. And certainly to risk a brachal vatola and then to be machabit somebody. You send around the case, you machabit people with the brachal vatola. That's a real kibbutz. We'd like to be a Mechabit Jew with the possible Isidoraisa, Zichen Isidorabonon of Sherebrach. Uh, that's not exactly a kibud. So I would hope most people know this by now. What? Why? Uh, you mean they were, uh, they were mixed together? It's often, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's often, even after the Rabbanotans, Rabbanotam, this uh, this comes up a lot when you plan it even with all your which you're suggesting uh, I would not get into this Shiloh so I uh, assume they didn't even plan this for the seventh day because it's still kind of early in the season you don't even have till 8.30 9 o'clock right? yeah and they didn't go into and that is the din. That's not a chumrah. That's not even a machlekes. Uh, depending on how litvish you are, how haimish you are, that will give you maybe a little bit of wiggle room after shkia, but it's not going to help in terms of getting to a serious shaila, which is not necessary. There's no chiv to have the shabbos in the first place. So, just interesting at the pasuk. What was that? Once you counted from where you visit Eisleh. So that's already a, a shaila. I have. We have a kula for tachanun. We actually go. For Shevra Brachas, if the uh, Chuppah was before Shkia, that's already day one. So that's, uh, that's important. It comes up every time somebody gets married. The Shaila comes up. Even if it's the summer with the latest man of 8.30, most people, if it's a regular weekday, are calling a Shevra Brachas, uh, the Havamina, 7.30, 7. And they're not benching by 8.30, even a quarter to nine with sex fakers, even 9.30 if you're holding like Rabbeinu Tam, and uh, the more Hamish the apparition is, the later they're going to start the Suda anyway, just by social norms. So <laughs> it's not going to work quite often. And to get involved in a Bachel Vatala is really not, a, not necessary, counterproductive, and certainly not a kibbut. So that's a, a side lesson just from the Lushan of the Pasuk over here, B'Terem Yavo HaCharsa. Did he also get his job done before the Did? Did Shimshon get his job done before the Of going to get, it didn't say when payment was due. It just said when the answer to the riddle was due. Payment could be just net 30 like any other payment. <laughs> so I, I, he probably did it very quickly because he's a czarist, and how long does it take to go to Ashkelon and get 30 suits? And he had no problem even if the stores were closed at that point because that's not how he's going to get them because that's not the point. So now you understand why I prefaced at the beginning of this year. Nowadays people will be saying, well... That's innocent people over there, and what is the shaykhs? And that's a disproportionate response. And how can you do that? And the answer is again, you got to be careful when you apply collective guilt. The point over here was to wake up all the plishtim in the various cities in this general, very small area called Eretz Yisrael and say you can't keep terrorizing the countryside and burning down fields and stealing and wounding and killing people, Rahman al-Islam. And 
he didn't yet, and he's not planning to make it a Jewish war. That's the whole point. But there's a fellow they can't quite figure out. He's a Yid, he's not a Yid, he's a traitor, he's not a traitor. He's going to take off 20 years in the middle of the current and be the Dayan and be a real, a real Dayan and a real uh, Shefet. And they're still not going to quite figure out whose side is he on. Is it a personal vendetta? And that is the plan. He's going to execute that very well. No, it doesn't sound, as you mentioned yesterday by Shalashud, is the fascinating aspect. We mentioned this, and I alluded to this in the morning also, because we were talking about the Avarazar aspect. Golos Mitzrayim, they felt a Memteh Shari Tuma. That's a lot of Shari Tuma, just short of Nun. And if you were to pin it on something, you, know, you have two choices. You have Gilei Rai, Shvichazdam, Avodazara. Shvichazdam is not in the mix because they certainly weren't involved in that. So you have two choices, Gilei Rai and Avodazara. Avodazara, we know, they went to on whatever level was affecting them. And Gilei Rai, we know, they were not. There was no intermarriage. 210 years, a few million people. One case, and that wasn't even intermarriage. That was sort of Aina slash... Shia, somewhere in between of Shlomo's Bazdivri, Vizehu, and that was it, and no intermarriage. And we have the Pasuk commenting on various forms of slipping into Avodah and getting too close to the neighbors and Chukoseim issues and things like that. We don't find intermarriage. And we don't find it here as well, because the Geirus was Chal, and even this, his own parents were still wondering, why is this necessary with whatever plan you have? So it, we don't have any indication this was done. And when we get to Dalila, there's going to be a big Shailan discussion whether she was a Yid Miyasaid, she was a Geiris, uh, the Geiris happened now. But we don't have any indication that this was widespread of people floating to the Plishtim because they didn't want any part. The Plishtim were violent people who couldn't be trusted. And that was the exception. That, that was not done yet. Nobody moved to Chutzlars. They were the only people who left. Nobody. We, we can't imagine how dangerous and toxic it was. And they had no appetite. As you see from this first case, they had a riddle. They're going to lose some money. How expensive? 30 suits, especially the 30 people paying for it. are supposed to be paying for it. And they come to her and they threaten to kill her in a very violent way that like burned down the house on her head. That's who we're dealing with. So there was no Yetzirah to really join these people, and they were not too civilized. As a matter of fact, you see in the opposite direction, they had a chance to marry a Yid, and they jumped at it because they saw that that was an upgrade. So I don't think that was the problem in the background. Lamaisa, he's angry and he leaves now. We're going to go to the Messias Sasharm for a few minutes after just reading about the behavior of the plishtim, you sort of need some Messias Sasharm, even though <laughs> we're talking about plishtim. So, disproportionate, I can see why you don't think it's disproportionate. She said, Ami, then they don't even answer the riddle. They right. People involved. So the fact they get other people involved, and they don't condemn him, by the way. They sort of, deep down, say, yeah, we understand you. Yeah. Yeah, that's why the UN didn't get involved here yet. That, that's the Chiddush, because they certainly, on some level, are not going to come out and admit it publicly, but this is the way they operate in this language they understand. So uh, they're not complaining just yet. They will complain as it goes forward. 
Let's say Messias Hasharim. If you're uh, online, we okay upload this anyway. But you have Messias Hasharim on your shelf. So we were discussing yesterday the speaking of Halig uh, people. A Halig thing is next to things that are not Halig. But here, the Nesham and the Guf is a different mashal and imshal. The Guf can be very Halig. It's here to serve as the Nesham. What gets very not Halig and becomes very base and very uh, Magushim is when we forget that the Guf is only here to serve as the Nesham and that you have to satisfy the Guf on some level because of human beings and you have to eat and you have to relax once in a while and enjoy yourself to some degree, but a very small degree, and always realize that you're not here to have fun and for Hanas HaGuf. That is the theme and the aside of this parak. And on page uh, 14, where we were yesterday, he started off that any Bar Seicha will understand that we're not here for Hanas Gashmias, and life is short, and with the greatest Hana in the world, Nobody has consistent Hana, because that's the way Akash Baruch built the Bria. And there's always uh, Nisyanis and trials and tribulations and Nisyanis of the Guf before you even get to the Nisyanis of the Neshama. And the most uh, successful, quote unquote, Akum, who has all the Nosa Guf at his disposal, all the money, all the fame, all the fortune, is still not consistently having a, a good time. I always like to refer to Rabbi Moshe's tshuva, uh, where he talks about uh, it's a funny thing in America, people always looking to have a good time. He spells out, good time. That was like a concept, and you're like, that's not the point. And you have to have a good time once in a while, and you have to relax, you have to smile, and you have to be besimcha, but that's not the matara over here. And we Americans have a difficult time reminding ourselves of that, because the whole thrust of society and culture is the exact opposite. That's why this parak is very important. And the people who understand this are the happiest people around. The people who understand that there's Ruchnius, uh, that we should be pursuing at all times, even when we're still living as Magushim Dika people and satisfying the Guf. If the satisfying is for the purpose of making the Neshama happy so we could do more mitzvahs, then you stand the chance of having that Simcha and Yishavadas. So, the marshal that we ended with yesterday was the famous or infamous marriage between the princess and this country uh, um, peasant farmer. Nothing against farmers, but they don't really understand princesses. And they get married, and he doesn't know from this lifestyle. And he wants to be a good husband, so he's bringing her gifts. And one time he brings a delicious ear of corn, because that's for him, a really plump one with uh, and doesn't understand why she's still crying and she's not crying during the Shepherd because she doesn't know the answer to the riddle. She's crying because uh, that's a gift the, the gifts where I come from start from $50,000 up and it's got to be something with uh, diamonds and uh, rubies and emeralds and like what uh, corn mandakar shemay and he doesn't get it and he keeps on trying and trying and the uh, princess is not satisfied so the nimshul was the guf and the neshama, and yes, you have to satisfy the guf, make sure it's eating and getting some level of gashmias, but if you really want to talk about satisfying a person, there's the neshama there, and the neshama is only satisfied with real content and real ruchnias. So let's start. The first one lines is about 
55% of the way down in the first column on page 14. The Pasuk and Kahelis. Medrash Kahelis, Zelashinim, Gamanefesh, Lotimole, Moshe, Lama, Davademe, Lirani, Shanasa, Bas Melech, and Yavi, La Kalmashav, Eilam, Ena, Chashuvim, La Klum, Shibas Melech, Kachanefesh, Ilu, Hevesala, Kalma, Dani, Eilam, Ena, Klumla, Lama, Shehi, Minel, Yenim. The Shama is from Shamayim, from Kashbarchum, Tachas Kisi, Akavid. And you need to feed the Gashmias to some degree, but that's not where the satisfaction comes from. The Neshama is here almost against its will because the Shamano is going to a Magushim Dik atmosphere that can only spell trouble. The answer is it can spell trouble. It's a life full of Nisianis. But you can get tremendous sepuk if you pass many of them. We try for most of them. We try for all of them. Probably not going to work. But then this tshuva. The neshama is not really fully comfortable here, and my job is not to get it comfortable. But it's not going to work anyway. Shem is not going to create a scenario where you're putting object A in the Shema to object B, and object A is going to come kicking and screaming, so to speak, not happy, not adjusted, and never will fully adjust, unless there's a purpose, a higher purpose. And the answer is the Neshama never fully adjusts, and it's only a very short duration, up to 120, 150, whatever the number is. And that's the plan to use the guf. The guf will be fully compensated. It's called tchiyas amesim, and it's an ikr by us. That's why we say it pretty soon at Tishman Esrei. So the guf will be rewarded, and it's a kli for the accomplishments of the neshama, but the focus is the neshama. Tachlis is obviously to build an elam haba. Alkain nitna ba neshama zayis ki it's really a stira to the neshama, which is kula ruchni. The neshama understands that it's here for a purpose, so they'll put up with elam hazeh, and they'll even harness elam hazeh for everything it's here for. And elam hazeh is gavaldik, and the elam was built which tremendous, tremendous chachma for the tainug that the guf needs. All that's true, but it's not here for tainug. It's here to use that to have a healthy guf and a healthy mind to service a healthy neshama. And not getting into whether the neshama is actually the brain, what the neshama is exactly, but we don't have to define that. The neshama, we know what the neshama is. Anybody who has a neshama knows what gives it sipuk for Real ruchnius and uh, real relationship with Terah Mitzis, the Kosh Baruch Hu and also knows how to satisfy the guf and knows where deep down is this really necessary, and then it has to be examined and re examined every single day. It's not going to be a perfect science, but if the whole thought pattern is how do we have better food, more Gashmias, some more exotic location to be able to appreciate. Uh, so as I mentioned yesterday, yes, there is something about enjoying the Bria, 
And yes, maybe the Swiss Alps to see it either in a picture or in real time once, but there's no Chiv de Reis every morning to see the Swiss Alps. And people have taken that out of context and blown it way out of proportion because it's convenient sometimes. Because as you're too much into your travel, your gosh, me, your food, you say, well, didn't somebody very great say that there's a mitzvah to see the Swiss Alps? The answer is yes. They also forgot that the geography is the Swiss Alps happens to be very close to the German side of it, and it's not a far trip. But we won't get into that part now. It just shouldn't be overdone. But there is something about seeing Niflis Abere just within measure. Have a good day and enjoy your trip to the Swiss Alps.